Our prayer life can indicate to us when something has gone awry. Pastor Ed Taylor explains. It's no longer interceding for your kids or helping over here or God show me where you would have me to serve or how would you want to use my life for your enemy has so engulfed you that all you do is pray about them. All you do is think about them. All you want is revenge with them. All you want is things to be right. And can't you hear yourself saying to Jesus, what about him? What about her? And Jesus comes very gently and says, you know what? What is that to you? You follow me. I'll take care of you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You You've seen the coach call a timeout just before the kicker attempts a field goal. He does this to get inside their head, to disrupt or undermine their focus. This strategy is not only in sports, but in life too. That comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Last time we began to learn how to deal with an enemy to safeguard not only our prayer life, but our witness as well. Let's hear more about that now as we join Pastor Ed in Romans chapter 12. Don't want you to miss verse 15 because it's not all about you or me. At the end of verse 15, he says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled by your bitterness. Your bitterness affects other people. Many around you become defiled by your root of bitterness. It defiles many. First, it starts with you, and then it just starts messing up people around you and close to you. You're just hurting yourself, but you're also hurting those around you. The bitterness turns into pessimism, turns into sarcasm, turns into depression, despondency, hopelessness. And do you don't think that stuff affects the people that love you and care for you and want to help you and want to walk with you? It does all the time. And all this over an enemy that you can't control. All this because there's people in your life that God has already told you how to deal with them. Bless them. Don't curse them. Don't try to take revenge. The negativity, the sarcasm, all that stuff, it dirties you, but also dirties your kids. It dirties your friends, your family, the people in your home fellowship. It dirties people. It soils them, if you will. It defiles, bitterness does. And where does bitterness exactly come from, according to verse 15? It's a great verse to study, good one to memorize. It's interesting that it says in verse 15, look careful lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God. So falling short of the grace of God brings bitterness. Falling short, or you could also translate this verse because of the grace of God. So let's look at that in verse 15. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short because of the grace of God. Because of. Now in light of just looking at how that verse could be alternately translated, when things don't always go our way and the enemies in our life don't receive justice immediately, God is extending what to them? Grace. And you know what? We don't like it. We like grace, amen, for us. 
we love to talk about and live in and enjoy the grace of God, but there are people that we would rather God not show grace. And when he does, if our hearts are enveloped with bitterness and revenge and cursing and all, guess what? We're done. We're done. We've been taken out by this root of bitterness. We cry out, don't we? It's not fair. Well, what's not fair exactly? God loving someone? What's not fair? God being patient with someone like he was with you, right? The Bible says that his will is that he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And we have a difficulty and we cry out, it's not fair. We scream, it's not right. And when faced with enemies and injustice, if we're not careful, the grace of God in the lives of others can actually produce in us a root of bitterness. And then we'll start, where's the grace of God for me? Where's the grace of God for me? Well, it's there. As soon as you deal with that bitterness in your heart, you'll begin to enjoy it again. You'll begin to just be enveloped with it again and say, Lord, my enemies don't control me. But I'm afraid for some listening to this right now, your enemies are controlling you. So revenge is something that trips us up. Flip over to John chapter 21. Let me show you another thing, if you're taking notes, that trip us up. John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is a great chapter after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he is ministering and he's got a lot to say. And in verse 19 of John's gospel, chapter 21, John writes in verse 19, he says, this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, or said to him, follow me. And then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Seems like a simple enough question, right? All this teaching is going on, and Peter's looking around, and go, what about him? Sometimes you view that way with your enemy, right? What about him? What about her? Come on, God. What about her? What about him? And therein lies the trap of where are you going to spend your time and attention? Because notice Jesus says, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Enemies in our lives have a tendency to absolutely take over all of our time, our attention, our thought life. And you can have Jesus there and we're saying in our prayer life, It's no longer interceding for your kids or helping over here or God, show me where you would have me to serve or how would you want to use my life for your enemy has so engulfed you that all you do is pray about them. All you do is think about them. All you want is revenge with them. All you want is things to be right. And can't you hear yourself saying to Jesus, what about him? What about her? And Jesus comes very gently and says, you know what? What is that to you? You follow me. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. Bless and do not curse. As much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. Don't avenge yourselves, but give place to wrath. What is that to you? What is that to you? We have to decide to let our enemies go. Let them go. Entrust your soul to God. You can't control those that are enemies in your life. You can't control it. You can't control the situation. You can't control the person. You can't control their decisions. Trust your soul to God and live for him. I know there's that desire to control them so that we won't be hurt anymore, right? (laughs) 
If we could just get in and, and get in their head and make this decision and do this and show up here and read your Bible and pray and live for God, I'll never be hurt again. But that's not the truth either. We've got to decide to let them go. That suffering is being used by God somehow, somewhere in your life. It's doing a work in your life, in your heart. You're learning a little bit about you and about the nature of Jesus Christ and his strength in your life. Hey, from John, go all the way back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Somewhere along the way, God is using this, and I want you to be encouraged. I want you to leave here trusting in the Lord. I want you to know, how do I deal with my enemies? You've got to let them go. Because, I mean, every time you speak up, you, you say something hurtful. I mean, every time you just, you've just you been holding it and right, I'm just going to let it go. And when you let it go, you become, well, you become awfully, I become an awful lot like them because I've been following them in this situation. I haven't been following Jesus. I heard Jesus, what is that to you? And I said, well, it's a lot to me, Jesus. That's what it is. It's a lot to me. It's jacking my life up. It's messing me up. I can't even leave the state until this gets settled in. I don't have any more money. And, I, and Jesus keeps, what is this to you? I'll take, I'll take care of you. Why don't we look at how you got yourself into this situation in the first place? Why don't we look at how you deal with relationships? Why don't we look at what's going on in your heart? Why don't you just give me a chance to expose some things in you? You, you follow me. You let, just follow me is the word from heaven for us. And God's using this. Don't mess it up. Walk in the spirit. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 19 of chapter 1. Peter writes, but you've been brought with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are where? In God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Your faith and your hope, our faith and hope are in God. And so at this point, like the Holy Spirit's ministering, and I can sense that he's doing a work in your hearts. I could see a many faces that God's connecting. And yet you've got one more piece of the puzzle that you're wrestling with, right? And that piece of the puzzle is, but Ed, the person that's hurting me claims to be a Christian. And that really hurts. But Ed, they're a Christian, or at least they say they are, and they're doing these things. That's got to change the scenario, right? That's got to shift it just a little bit. But when a Christian hurts us, and we're at odds and enemies with other Christians, then it really stings. Because that's not the heart of God at all. Not only does it hurt physically, but it also hurts spiritually. I just step back and I start looking at my own life. And I have to conclude, it's a sad thing, but most of the people that have hurt me the worst have been Christians. Most of the people, most of the pain that I've experienced in life have been trying to do something good for someone. Christians. It doesn't make me want to give up on Jesus. It doesn't want to make me give up on Christians, but it stings. It makes you a little gun shy to step out and want to help someone. Or it makes you a little hesitant next time a big situation comes up I mean, who betrayed Jesus? Was it some stranger? I mean, it was the guy that was with him for three years, eating with him, listening, serving, ministering. He was right there. Betrayed him with what? A handshake? A high five? Or what? A kiss. Intimacy. Jot this down in your notes. Psalm 55, verse 12 says, For it's not an enemy that reproaches me. This is Psalm 55, 12. Then I could bear it. 
nor is it one who hates me, who's exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from it. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. I mean, David's talking about someone that was really close to him. And by way of prophecy, he's prophesying of what would happen to Jesus and to some extent to those of us that love Jesus Christ. It's not always, enemies aren't always like like hardcore unbelievers. They are Christians sometimes. And it's going to hurt. Don't let that make you give up on Jesus, though. He didn't inflict that pain. You know, hey... Christians aren't perfect. They go through seasons. They get stumbled. They get confused. They go through things. It, it, it just, it's the way of life when you're interacting with people. The more you expose yourself, the more you open yourself, the more you care, the more you love, the more you give, the more you're going to get hurt when you get hurt. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, if you're all tight and locked up and closed up and you don't open to anyone, you probably don't get hit, hurt very much. But when you're open and you love and you care and you serve, I mean, the people that are closest to you, they, they're going to hurt you in a much deeper level. And the reason why you're hurt is because you care. If you didn't care, you wouldn't get hurt. It's just all hard-hearted all the time. Nobody can hurt me. You're hurting yourself. But because you care and you love people, when they hurt you, especially the ones that are close to you, especially those that, hey, they're a Christian, Ed, well, of course it's going to hurt. And so back in Romans chapter 12, right, if it's a Christian, then where somebody hurt us really, really hard, then we can claim the promise in verse 20, right? Of chapter 12, I'm just going to leave here tonight. I'm claiming the promises of God, right? For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That's my promise. Where do I get the coals? <laughs> is there like a coal ministry? Yeah, this is mine. I'm claiming it. We're so sneaky, aren't we? We can go through a whole Bible study on how to love our enemies, but when it comes to the coals, man, I'll love them all right. This is cool. Whatever it is, I'm not sure, but whatever it is, it sounds cool, man. But it actually, in the context of the first century, it is another way of saying to bless someone. It's another way of saying you're, when you're heaping fires, uh, coals of fire on their head, it's not to harm them, it's to help them. In Paul's day, when a fire went out in a home, it was very tough to get it up and start it again. So then when someone's fire went out, The women would carry these live coals and jars on their heads to share with those who had no fire. So the idea of having an empty jar in your head when you're you're heaping coals on someone, you're actually filling up the jar in order to share what you have, what's been blessing you. Your fire's doing well. The coals of your life are burning unto the Lord. And in in your relationships with those that are all messed up, their fires unto the Lord have gone out. When you give God a chance to work on your behalf and when you feed your enemies, when you give them something to drink, you're actually helping them out, taking care of them, helping as a believer in the Lord to stoke the fires in their life, to see if they might come back, especially the believers, you know, see if they might come back, see if they might just love, see if they might humble themselves, see if they might associate with the humble, see if they'll stop being wise in their own opinion. This is back in verse 16. See if they'll come back to like-mindedness in the body. See if they'll stop setting their minds on high things, rejoicing again, even weeping with those who weep, just have their minds back on what's more important than anything on this earth, and that is the souls of men that Jesus Christ died for. It all trips us up. It's all a distraction. It's all to get our eyes off of what's important in life. It's all to carry us away. And unfortunately, I've seen some in life that they're carried away the rest of their life dealing with their enemies, and the fruitfulness of their life is gone, just gone. I mean, you talk to them, that's all they talk about. 
you start to share some encouragement and they'll start coming back. That's all they talk about. They don't want to let go of it. Why? Because the root of bitterness went down deep and, and this weed of bitterness has overtaken their heart from the inside out. All because we didn't yield to the Spirit of God when he teaches us, hey, bless those. I mean, I'm going to challenge you. Bless those. that person. Bless them. Do something that is from you to them a blessing. Step out and seek to watch God work on your behalf. I'm not saying it's going to solve the situation. That's not what God says. I'm not saying it's going to go away and that no longer going to have any enemy. You know, I don't know. But I'll tell you what. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes what? Even his enemies be at peace with him. But what you really get is peace yourself. (laughs) That's what you get. You can go to court, that next court date at peace with the Lord. You could take that next order of judgment with peace with the Lord. That next criticism, you're at peace with the Lord, right? Because Jesus said, what is that to you? You follow me. And you know what? You can do that, right? I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm committed to follow you. The next time that comes up at work, you're at peace with the Lord. You're at peace. And because you're at peace, you're at that place where you're looking to bless and you're looking. You don't, you're not going to be overtaken. You don't want to be caught up in revenge. You don't want to be caught up focusing on them. Your eyes, my eyes are on the Lord. Now, for those of you today that are under attack, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures. You can memorize them. You can take them just for your heart, just from, from the word of God to you. Those of you that are under attack, you can turn there if you like, or I'll just read them to you. We're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 22, and we're going to pick up in verse 2. Just a few things to take, to hold on to, that when this topic of enemies comes up, you can really relate to it. You can really see it. You just understand that God knows you haven't been forgotten by him, and you can tuck these scriptures away in your heart. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 2 says, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We sing that. That's a song. So cool. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. You can find these all over. These are just a few that I pulled out. They're good to plant down in your heart when it comes to enemies. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Speaking of God. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so hang in there, church. Don't be easily sidetracked. Don't be easily tripped up and stumbled over enemies. We all have them to one degree or another. If we don't currently, there will be, sometimes it's enemies because of our personality or a bad decision we've made or uh, we've just, sometimes you, you get enemies just because you call on the name of the Lord. You're saved now and people don't like it. And so your life is like a conviction to them and the only way they know how to respond is boom, 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 take you down. 
because they know you, they grew up with you, they know all the little buttons to push, and what happens is you let them push them. Close, lock those buttons up, man, in the Lord. Just can't push those buttons anymore. Why? Because I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care. I'm going to, you're hungry, I'm going to feed you. You're thirsty, I'm going to give you something to drink. You know why? Because it's not up to me what God does with you. All I'm going to do is follow the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow him. Because God's going to take care of those things that concern me. We read that in the psalm a couple weeks ago. He's going to perfect those things that concern my life. He's going to take care of them. I'm not going to live life without pain or sorrow. I'm not going to live life without getting hurt. I'm not going to live life without being stabbed in the back or stabbed in the front or whatever. John the Baptist had his head cut off for the sake of the Lord. And for us to think that we're going to go through life without having... I mean, there's a great emphasis on how to deal with our enemies. And for some of you, you just need to follow through with Matthew 18. You need to go to the person face-to-face and share your heart with them and then listen to them and give God a chance to work. That's biblical conflict resolution that we've gone through many times here in the congregation. And God's so faithful, he wants to resolve conflict. If he has two people, even just one person that's willing to resolve conflict, God's going to move. It's hard to resolve conflict when you're two hard-hearted, hard-headed people. And you just keep button heads. You might need to involve some spiritual person to come alongside and help you work through it. But God wants to work. He doesn't want you at odds. He doesn't want you stifled. He doesn't want us just looking for ways to avenge ourselves and revenge. And we'll take God's mat. We'll take revenge into our own hands when the Bible clearly says, beloved, don't avenge yourselves. Give place. I like to refer to that giving place to wrath. I like to refer to that as just giving God a chance to work. Just give him some time and give him some room. Follow Jesus and give him room to work in your battles with an enemy. A good word there for us to take to heart. We've been in the book of Romans today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the epistle. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Pastor Ed, a question comes to mind in light of today's study. Maybe someone listening right now has responded badly to an enemy encounter. Should they go back to them and apologize, even though they're certain it won't help, but possibly make things worse? And is it ever a good idea to just keep our distance, pray, and wait for an opportunity? Well, you know, there isn't any one of us listening, right, Larry? There isn't any one of us listening that hasn't responded badly to an enemy encounter. Many times we refer to that as being in the flesh or just simply responding incorrectly. If the opportunity is available to apologize, and let me just say there's a difference between going to someone and saying, oh, I'm sorry. Like, for example, I remember uh, someone in a very serious situation uh, coming to me, and, and it, was, it was really hard and really bad, and it still is. And their response, their, their apology was, I'm sorry if I ever made you maybe kind of, sort of, made you feel bad. What? No, instead of I'm sorry, we always uh, taught our kids and we practice this ourselves. We like to identify, will you forgive me? And then you mentioned the actual sin you committed. Will you forgive me for lying about you? Will you forgive me for pushing you? Will you forgive me for losing my temper? Will you forgive me? And you can fill in the blank. So if it's possible, absolutely. And then Larry, you asked, is it good to sometimes keep our distance? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's very wise 
to stand back and wait for the right timing, wait for a right opportunity. And once again, as we're talking, you know, practical things in the last couple of days, like what are the practical steps on this or when should we wait? When should we listen as you're praying, as you're seeking God, he will lead you. You can trust him. He's leading you into deeper places of faith. You can trust him. So yes, is it ever wise to go back and ask for forgiveness? Yes. Is it ever wise to wait? Yes. How do I know the difference? Pray. The Lord will lead you. Thanks for those words of encouragement. Hey, are you looking for some good summertime reading? If you're like me and like to pull out a good book to read on vacation, we'd like to recommend Love, The More Excellent Way. In the late 1960s, an entire generation was searching for love. Maybe you've been on your own quest to find it. This encouraging and practical book by Chuck Smith will show you what real love is and how to discover it. You'll learn about God's love for us and our love for God in response. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. And please set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow for Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into the book of Romans. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.